Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 49, True Foundation Hockey, the Scott Bond Hockey Journey, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Pitlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before we settle into our favorite easy chair and wrap ourselves up with Grandma's Afghan, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. I've been looking forward to having my next guest on since we ran into each other at a mutual friend's wedding, Evan and now Lauren Robert. Scott Bond has been someone I've heard about in the hockey circles, but never met this guy until recently and had no idea the positive impact he and True Foundation Hockey has had here in Minnesota. This Minnesota native, who played his high school hockey at Frank B. Kellogg and then moved on to juniors, where he was on his way to a promising career, but his life changed in a moment. Mr. Bond suffered a severe spinal injury that almost ended his dream to play college hockey, but through faith, determination, and a belief in himself that anything is possible, two years after the injury, he returned to the ice and played four full seasons at Hamlin University. Graduating with a counseling psychology, physical education, exercise science degree, with minors in health and coaching philosophy. After retiring from playing, Scott has worn many hats, including head hockey coach, director, WHL scout, strength and conditioning coach, on-ice skills instructor, and is a disciple of pioneering skating coach Jack Blatherwick, and also is the founder, president, and coach-in-chief for True Foundation Hockey. We have a lot to talk about, so ladies and gentlemen, Please help me in welcoming Scott Bond to the show. Mr. Bond, welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast. Oh, my privilege to be here, Lance. Looking forward to this discussion. Awesome. So before we get into what you've been offering the hockey community and continue to do so today, uh, let's take a moment and look in the rearview mirror and go back to the beginning. Uh, where'd you grow up? What was your childhood like? <clears throat> your parents, siblings, friends, mentors, uh, your introduction to hockey and other sports. Basically, tell the listeners in a nutshell what the heck it was like growing up Scott Bond. <laughs> Very good. I grew up on uh, right on the border of Maplewood and St. Paul over near Lake Phelan. And I attended actually the Roseville School District and I played um, my high school hockey at uh, Frank B. Kellogg High School, which a couple years after I graduated, merged with Alexander Ramsey High School to form Roseville Area High School. Uh, I played, uh, the only sport I played in high school was hockey, and I, I lettered uh, my sophomore, my junior, and my senior year. Uh, up until that point, I, I was a, a three-sport athlete. I played baseball and football and decided to focus on hockey uh, once uh, once I really like knew how much passion I had for the game. And um, upon the conclusion of my uh, high school career, um, I ended up uh, attending Hamlin University for a season, for one year, 
played ho- played hockey and I lettered. I played a regular role as a freshman. I don't remember my statistics. I think I put up around twelve points right in that right in that area. And um, then I left and I played a couple years of uh, uh, juniors because I wasn't quite ready to co- uh, play college and I didn't really know the direction I wanted to take my life. And it was during that time that I met uh, Dr. Jack Blatherwick. Uh, he was a part of the staff of the Bloomington Junior Stars and he was working on his doctorate and he was uh, doing a bunch of physiological testing on our team along with the Minnesota Gophers and the Minnesota North Stars and he had just contracted with the 1980 uh, Olympic team to work with Herb Brooks and uh, work as their physiologist and I became fascinated absolutely fascinated with the uh, physiology behind athletic training and I formed a, a relationship and then a mentorship with Jack and um, he guided me through where I, you know, what I needed to do for education and schooling. And um, I ended up uh, at the conclusion of um, my junior career. I had the unfortunate uh, incident of breaking five vertebrae in my back. What? And how'd that happen? I was uh, training at Augsburg in a summer program. And um, I took a bad spill, caught an edge. I got hooked a little bit by a guy that was doing a, kind of a soft back check. And I just went into the boards very awkwardly, back first, right over the player's bench, and ended up uh, fracturing those five vertebrae. And I oh. suffered what was diagnosed at the time as a, a spinal contusion. And so I went through a very, very long period. Overall, about 18 months of recovery where I had a couple of surgeries, I was in and out of the hospital, I was in a body cast for a significant amount of time, and back in oh, those man. days, it was it was like a plastic tube that I, I was placed into, and I was really virtually immobile. Um, I was set up in a hospital bed in my parents' living room, and I, um, I was uh, really uh, bedridden, and... Um, by the grace of God, quite honestly, I, I just began re- reading more about you know the body and physiology and anatomy and and uh, once I started to get regain some level of mobility, I really started to push myself hard in my recovery. The doctors at that point did not know what my recovery would be. Um, I ended up losing about four inches of overall height because of the the number of vertebrae that they had to fuse together and the, oh my God. the surgeries. Yeah, the surgeries they had to do on my hips to restructure my hip joints. And uh, so I was just hoping to be able to, to you know, walk and, and live a normal life, let alone ever skate again. But, um, you know, I, I had great doctors, great therapists, uh, worked real hard, began walking again, uh, tri- uh began weight training and applying some of the principles and and you know some of the my knowledge of anatomy and physiology to what I needed to do to boost my recovery efforts and um, about 18 months later I uh, I re-enrolled at Hamlin where I started my education um, I decided that I was going to major in exercise spot, uh, science and uh, physiology with a well double major with um, counseling psychology because going through what I went through I also you know also had a 
took out a, a strong passion for learning about how valuable the brain is and the mind in controlling, you know, your, your body and emotions and recovery and attitude. Can, and, I, inter- uh, can, I, can I interrupt you for one second? Absolutely. Uh, before, before we move on to, to when you got to, to Hamlin, you know, there, there was a, a difficult stretch of time. If you're talking 18 months from when the injury happened until you're, you know, thinking that I, I can play hockey again. And then in that transition, you know, you didn't talk about the beginning part. You talked about, you know, you started thinking and reading about the body and started researching that. But there had to have been some dark times there at the beginning. How did you get through that? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, well, my faith was a big part of it. I was raised in a in a very strong spiritual Christian household, and um, I had a couple of mentors um, that were youth pastors when I was growing up that would stop by the house, and we would, you know, read scripture, and we would talk, and it really kind of kept me, tried to keep me positive, but it was hard. It really was hard. Um, when I was in the hospital, I shared a room with a couple of other patients. Um, one was a, a real young um, Asian boy who was paralyzed from the neck down in an auto accident. And the tragic part of his story was that his entire family was killed in that crash except for him. And he had very limited English speaking skills at the time. Oh, my yeah, and, you know, he, he's he's sharing a room with me, and they were teaching him how to, you know, use a wheelchair that was operated with a blow straw. And the doctors were telling me that I'm going to have some level of recovery. So I felt very fortunate, and then I had an, an, another roommate who, he was in his so mid-50s or so, and he was changing a, a light bulb in his home office he was an architect and he fell off the chair and broke his neck and was paralyzed and i i saw the strength that he had him being you know much much older than me at the time i was still you know only 20 years old and you know how he was preparing himself and how his family supported him and i i kept looking instead of feeling sorry for myself i kept looking at how fortunate that that I actually was, that the injury wasn't more significant. You know, and I focused on those on those thoughts and, and, and trying to maintain that level of positivity and along with my with my faith and, and my you know, reading the Bible and uh, the small groups that I was participating in at the house, you know, to talk about, you know, overcoming obstacles and faith in God and how that really helps a person um, maintain you know strength because a, a higher power has got a plan for you and that's that's kind of what I focused on. Yeah. And so that kept me going. It really did. And and that and, and you know looking at my situation in comparison to others that were much less fortunate in their circumstances, um, you know, kind of helped me appreciate and work even harder at what I needed to do to you know, recover to the best of my body's abilities at the time. Yes, that's, <clears throat> excuse me, an incredible story. And I'm, I'm glad that, that uh, you know, you made it through that and, and uh, 
have thrived. So let me ask you this. Um, th lately I've been just hearing a lot of people that tell are saying that meditation is a big part of their life. And I know that meditation has, uh, you know, ties to obviously religious uh, groups in, in mm -hmm. that was was meditation any part of uh, your recovery I'm just curious because there there was people you know it's been going on for longer than we've been on this earth you know I, I guess I could say in a in a very you know non-traditional way yes um, when before I was fully mobile I would you know use my walker and and move myself from the hospital bed and to the outdoors and this was in the summer and I would sit in the sun and, and close my eyes and think about and kind of like get deep into my own thoughts about you know where I was going and what did I want what did I want to do and how can I strengthen myself so I guess in a in a sort of a non-traditional way uh, yeah meditation was was probably a, a pretty big part too of my recovery because that was a pretty normal part of my routine um, during those you know warm summer months as I was starting to become more mobile and getting regaining some strength and using the the positive steps that I was making at the time to you know pro keep propelling myself forward and being motivated right I get yeah I guess in a way yeah meditation was also a, a, a part of of you know, what I utilized. Right. Maybe you just didn't know it, you know, the full effects of it, but you were doing it, you know, just because it felt good. And I'm sure as that process went, you just gained momentum and just kept on, you know, setting the goal, reaching the goal, setting the next one. So you get to, to Hamlin, you made the, the, the full recovery. Uh, yes. How how amazing was it for for you and your your parents to when you first stepped on the ice that first time after the the accident happened? Well, uh, you know, I, my mom, you know, it still brings tears to her eyes when we discuss it. You know, um, quite honestly, it sometimes brings tears to my eyes too when I think about it. Sure. You know, stepping on that ice, I I reached out to the Hamlin coach. I talked about kind of eligibility that I may have left. I was, you know, older than I was, you know, back back then most kids went to college right out of high school and graduated by 23, maybe 24 uh, if they took additional college classes and then they were, you know, onto their adult lives and here I was a 24-year-old sophomore in college. And um I I you know, I can remember, you know, getting NCAA clearance, I had to go through a, a testing house where they put me through a, a kind of a pretty extensive evaluation and assessment and physical testing to determine my level of, you know, readiness to be able to play a physical contact game. And I wore a brace. It was kind of limiting with my mobility and, you know, being off the ice for such a significant amount of time, I wasn't able to perform or play at the level that I had become accustomed to prior, but I was able to contribute and play three more years of hockey and, you know, I really enjoyed my experience. Uh, some of the friendships that I made 
in school are, are still some of my closest friends today. And we still support each other. We still stay in touch. I mean, there's nothing like the locker room environment in hockey. There's really nothing like it. The camaraderie that you build. Yeah. You know, the relationships you develop. I mean, unless you experience it, it's really hard to describe and have people understand. You know, and, and, and you, you know what I mean as a former player. You know, those relationships, you know, um, are, you know, in, in many cases, they're, they're, they have a long-lasting impact on your life. Oh, absolutely. Friends forever. Um, that, so you, you, you got to finish that on your terms. Um, I'm sure that, that that was pretty gratifying, and you, you, you made the most out of your schooling, graduating with all kinds of degrees. Um, you jumped right into the the coaching and the the, the skills training, and you know I want to hear about you. You were mentored by some legends: Jack Blathwick, Lou Vero, and Ken Yackel. Uh, Jack and Ken Yackel were very instrumental in my career. Talk about how they intersected your life. I know earlier you're just going to touch on Jack Blathwick, and I cut you off, but let's progress now from there. Sure. Well, when I was when I was actually in high school and you know attending uh, Hamlin that first year that summer, I, I worked for a couple of summers for uh, Ken Yackel's hockey schools, and um, it was set up uh, by that relationship was set up by a friend of mine, uh, who I, I shouldn't say friend. He was a he was my youth hockey coach. His name was Earl Berglund, and he was very involved in at the time was Maha Minnesota area hockey association and it you know kind of morphed into minnesota hockey yeah and earl had a, re- a strong relationship with uh ken and a lot of the you know the, the the hockey dignitaries in minnesota and um ken was just he was a he was a great guy he was a very positive uh influence on me uh, he always had positive things to say and a lot of encouragement and, you know, whenever he would give feedback, he'd give feedback in a way where you you just knew that he was the guy that really cared about you as an individual. It wasn't just, you know, bend your knees kind of thing. It was, right. he, he, he really had a way, a very unique and special way of, of communicating to the athlete to make that athlete feel that the feedback was personal to them and it was growth inducing. And it was done so in a way to make you, you know, more more than a better athlete, a better person. And and that was that was my relationship with with uh Ken and I met Lou Vero through Jack. Um Lou had just been named the um Olympic coach for the nineteen eighty four team and he was here in spending a great deal of time in Minnesota and I was um, ma- had maintained my relationship with Jack. I had just started, uh, you know, training, and and I just started playing again. And uh, Jack introduced me to Lou, and I began working with Lou. Was conducting uh, a, a significant number of coaching seminars in the Twin City area. He'd go into to hockey associations, and he was working, you know, at the time now Minnesota Hockey, and he was. He was um, talking about different and new and, and innovative training concepts that were 
pretty unique to hockey at the time. It was, you know, it was more or less the European style of play, puck possession, speed. Yeah. And so I, I began to um, be a assistant and a helper to Lou when, at all of these uh, seminars that he was giving. And every time that he would do an on-ice portion, I would be one of the, the players that would step on the ice. Matt Cullen actually was another one. Even though Matt was significantly younger than me, his dad Terry was involved as well. And and uh, so that's how I met Lou and, and worked with Lou. And I, I haven't spoken with Lou in many, many years. I, I actually saw him at a gopher hockey game about maybe 10, 10 or so years ago and went over and reintroduced myself. And he remembered me. We shook hands. We talked. We had a, we had a nice little, you know, reunion there at the game, and it was kind of fun to get caught up on everything. And then, of course, Jack I met, you know, right right after I left Hamlin, and Jack actually became uh, my academic advisor for a period of time, guiding me through the educational process and what I needed to study, and Jack was a phenomenal tutor. I mean, Jack always, always made time for for any anybody athlete or non-athlete, who had an interest in learning and would apply themselves and worked hard. And Jack, there would be times where I would be struggling understanding some of the physiological concepts uh, at the metabolic level, and, and Jack was just very, very influential and phenomenal in working with me, helping me gain a, a greater knowledge and appreciation for what I was actually learning and then I began working for Jack at a bunch of his different, you know, training programs. You know, he did some training programs with um, women uh, at the time out of St. Paul Highland Park rink. And I worked, uh, I worked with him there for a significant amount of time. He was doing some training out of Richfield Ice Rink at the time and working with kids from college, you know, all the way down to, you know, basic youth levels. And, um, so I, you know, I ended up, you know, coaching with Jack on and off for many, many years. And then, uh, when Jack, you know, started really, uh, taking on more NHL responsibilities, um, our relationship sort of morphed into, you know, phone calls, emails, and text messages until recently, the last oh, six months or maybe just a little bit longer than six months or so, We've reconnected and, and we get together a couple of times a month. In fact, I was actually on the ice with Jack this morning at uh, Braemar Rink in Edina, um, running a bunch of college kids through his overspeed uh, curriculum. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy, uh, just the parallel. So, uh, Jack, I mean, the guy's a machine. Is he, is he, he's in his 80s, isn't he? Early 80s, late 70s, early 80s? He's, 80, he's 82 years old now, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. So, real quick, two two guys influenced me too. Ken Yackel. My parents got divorced. I moved to New Hope when I was probably 10 or 11. And uh, there was a Ken Yackel camp at New Hope Arena mm-hmm. that, I, that I went to, a week-long camp. And, like, the first two days, there wasn't one coach that I got any feedback from. You know, I'd be up and for, for a drill, but the kid that went before me the coach would peel off in the corner with him and I'd go and no one would be watching me. So yeah. it was like the, 
end of the second day or the third day, I'm putting all the pucks in the bucket. I got the, that job, and Ken Yackel comes up to me. No one was on the ice, just him and I, and he just said, hey, I've been meaning to uh, talk to you. He says, you're the best backward skater in this camp. He says, keep doing that, and then he just skated away. I never cared about backward skating more after that. I mean, uh, it was crazy. So that, that was one influence, and then you talk about Jack just uh, always there whenever you need anything. Um, he, I was failing college algebra, and he tutored me uh, and got me a passing grade. Uh, <laughs> the guy, and he, that's all he's done his whole life is just be there for others. It's, it's uh, just an amazing human being. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know it's it's just incredible. We'll sit down and and we'll meet and we'll, we, you know, I come with a briefcase with notes and different things, and you know we we share ideas and we we talk, and then Jack will break down, you know, like and I I I don't refer to hockey drills as a drill very often because I I really want the athlete to understand that what you're doing is you're exercising and you're 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 taking the whatever length the the repetition is is time under tension and you want to multiply that by x number of reps so that you begin to create that change within the body i always tell my athletes change comes from within and it's just you know it's character heart work ethic combined with making the physiological changes that the body has to undergo to improve sport performance. And, you know, Jack and I, we the last time we met was, you know, about a month ago it, uh, to go over this because we got a little bit busy with our own programming this summer. But we met, had had coffee at uh, a McDonald's restaurant in Roseville, ended up sitting there for four and a half hours just talking about hockey training and training concepts. And then... We both had to go because we both had afternoon groups. It, that's the kind of guy Jack is. You know, he's he's willing and he, he doesn't care about the amount of time. He, he cares about the investment, you know. And he's a very, very special, unique uh, individual. And he's just, a, he's just a gift to hockey. He's an absolute gift. Yeah, there's one guy that has living in the moment down to a T. Uh, where wherever he is, he is uh, fully present, and nothing else matters. The guy's amazing. So let's make a little transition. I, I mentioned uh, in the introduction that you've worn many hats. I mean, how long have you been at this? Over thirty years? Coming up close to thirty years now? Yeah, probably coming on close to thirty years. If, if you know, I've had a couple of breaks in there. You know, we had a little bit of a break with COVID and whatnot. But yeah, probably close to thirty years. So you wore, you've been a head high school coach, youth coach, director, WHL scout, strength and conditioning coach, on-ice skills instructor. Uh, all these years, you've learned, had experiences, made mistakes, made innovations, and now you have started your own deal, which is called True Foundation Hockey. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that kind of came into being and... What, how does that how do you separate yourself for other programs and what makes you guys unique well going back to about 2017 um, I was coaching um, 
a tier one program at Gentry Academy um, when they still had offered their tier one options uh, to players. And then um, through coaching the team, I was coaching a U14 team and uh, the, the founder of the school, Tammy Lucius, began talking to me about coming out on the ice more and working with the students at the school on skill development. Um, the team that I had consisted of 12 kids, and they were a mix of two, 2005 and 2006 birth years. So the 2006 were playing up a level, and um, we ended up having a, a record of we uh, maybe 25 to 30 wins over 500 over a 500 record. Ended up in the top 20 in the country in the final national rankings, and it was because you know we had to be more skilled and faster and better conditioned than our opponents and so I began working with uh, Gentry Academy more and uh, frequently uh, during their their wind time day ice and that kind of just propelled me into thinking you know I I think I need to move back into this on a permanent basis and uh, just focus on working with you know, whatever hockey associations and schools that some of them I had worked with in the past, reestablishing those relationships. And so I I just branched off and and formed my own business, and I I didn't really have a name for about six months. And my son, uh, Jackson, who coaches uh, for me, um, was in a ministry school at the time to become a minister. And he, he was about 20 one years old at the time, 22, 21. And he, he called me one day and he says, Dad, I have the perfect name for the business. And I said, what's that? He said, True Foundation. And I said, oh, I like that. Building, you know, a foundation of skills, you know, off, you know, fundamental skills, which is the true foundation of any good athlete, regardless of the sport. You know, strong fundamentals, true fundamentals, never deviating. He goes, no, actually, yes, but he goes, it kind of applies. But he said, in school today, we read a piece of scripture from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, verse 11. And it said, for no one can lay any true foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And he said, it just immediately hit me, true foundation, true foundation, because you do so much mentoring in your coaching and so much leadership skills and discussion and you really invest yourself in working on the character part of an athlete's development not just their physical skills he says I think this is a perfect name and so I agreed and we went with it and so the uh, the true foundation name then was was formed and uh, I built a website and began uh, you know offering small group and private lessons. I began contracting with some hockey associations in the metro area. I was I was working with individual teams. I'd worked with Blaine and Spring Lake Park, and I'd worked with um, Maple Grove, uh, Woodbury, Stillwater, Matamidi, uh, Somerset, Wisconsin, New Richmond, Wisconsin, and began picking players up from all 
different areas uh, to participate in. And I, I don't call them camps and clinics. I just call them my my summer off-season skill development sessions. And, you know, based on the age and the, or the target age of the group of athletes, uh, you know, we'll go, you know, some, some athletes at the younger ages will go one hour, two to three times a week for 12 weeks, maybe even 15 weeks if we start earlier in the spring. And then other athletes, uh, you know, we may go, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes, um, and, you know, two days a week. Sometimes we'll go even three based on, you know, their interest. And those are maybe a little bit shorter condensed. They're probably eight to ten week sessions. But um, so that's that's what True Foundation, how True Foundation was formed. And, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to work with athletes from all over the, the metro in Minneapolis, St. Paul, you know, Twin Cities and, and actually in to eastern or uh, western wisconsin as well so you know for me my lane is off ice stick skill development you know yes. here in minnesota we got barry karn skating the nesses you got bukestead shooting you know what what is the one thing that you would say is your lane is it over speed training that's really the the center stone of your your program yeah, I would actually say I, I, I actually call them, you know, pillars. I, ba- I say basically I have two pillars in true foundation hockey. One of them is definitely overspeed training because of the influence that Jack has had on me. And I've seen the results going back to the 1980 Olympic hockey team and athletes that have utilized overspeed training concepts and, and how even their fundamental skating skills improve, even though they may not be working on the technical part of skating. But because they're working, you know, with quality drills, you know, well above their comfort zone, which means they're at a super fast pace, you know, they began to develop and then you can give them little technical tweaks and changes to perfect, you know, different skating techniques and whatnot. So overspeed training is definitely uh, one of my main pillars. And then um, I developed, you know what I call central nervous system overload training. So, you know, in hockey, a player is constantly changing direction. You know, a player will change direction over a thousand times in a game, and they don't even realize how subtle sometimes those changes can be. And oftentimes players, you know, they decelerate when they change direction. They don't even realize it. So they're training the body and the central nervous system to skate slower. And so my central nervous system overload is combining multiple different changes of direction and different skating movement patterns with pucks so that the central nervous system is overstimulated and it's having to constantly communicate to the, bu- to the muscles. You know, the brain is constantly teaching the muscles what to do through the central nervous system. And I keep reinforcing to the athletes do not slow your feet to accommodate the speed of your hands keep your feet fast and force the brain through the central nervous system to teach the hands to move as fast as the feet and so that's those are my my two pillars and and those are the two things that i utilize and so i'll if i have an hour session with a group of 10 to 12 um, athletes i'll basically go 30 minutes of 
central nervous system overload and then finish up with 30 minutes of overspeed training. You do overspeed training first. They're so gassed that, you know, they, they, they end up skating at a slower rate of speed through the CNS training uh, component. So, and then because of the influences that I've had working with, you know, in studying multiple people, Laura Stam was, you know, a, a person that I've studied quite a bit. I, I, I've studied a little bit, you know, you mentioned Barry Karn earlier, uh, Diane Ness and her training concepts for skating. You know, I've gone out and I've, I've worked with groups of kids and I've really worked hard on perfecting some skating, some technical skating skills so that I'll incorporate that as a warm-up jump into central nervous system overload uh, training and then proceed right into overspeed training and then uh, encourage the athletes to get a good stretch in. And some of the athletes, um, I haven't done it this summer. Uh, Actually, I haven't done it since COVID, quite honestly. But I used to do an off-ice training component with my groups of athletes as well. It's something that I'm going to be adding uh, moving forward in uh, 2023 awesome i love the the innovations i i love this game i mean i've been at this for almost two decades as far from an instructor standpoint and you know to be able to see other people still coming up with stuff that i haven't seen before is neat and and i i I, once in a while i'll get a a creative drill that comes into my mind but most of the time it's a, an extension of something else that I saw from someone else so mm-hmm. one thing that I do I, I did an experiment just to try to uh, tap into stick skill development so I was like how can I get back to when I just had a stick in my hand so I committed to teaching myself how to stick handle and shoot and pass everything opposite hand so what I did is I budgeted three to four days a week for 30 minutes and just went down and, and grinded on it. And the first two weeks wasn't fun, obviously, because you're not good, but uh, it was crazy. Halfway through the third month uh, is when it, it happened, where I, my coach has got some opposite hand mojo now, uh, where now I can't even tell. But why I'm saying this is because I've used the opposite hand for so many reasons. One... Uh, you talk about overloading the system. Um, have you ever done opposite hand training in, in your stuff? Because if a kid gets stuck with me in a drill where they can't get over it, I'll just stop and have them do it opposite hand uh, for a minute, and then we'll go mm-hmm. back to regular hand. And I'm not kidding you, 100%, they always get it. So I'm just curious, have you ever thought about you know another way to go in there? Because, again, Jack comes in, Jack Bladwick comes into play. I asked him a few years ago on the value of opposite hand training, and he knows that where my intellect is, and he's got to break it down a little <laughs> simpler for me. <laughs> but he goes, all I know, Lance, is there's a lot of studies going on around the world, but he says, just think of one side of your brain has all your hockey uh, uh, memories or you know the downloads. And all of a sudden, you're going to start training the other side of the brain, and then both sides of the brain are going to interact. He says, I just can't see how that can be bad for anyone. You know, I, I, I have not, like, done any specific opposite hand training, but now you've given me a whole 
I'm, I'm, I, my, that's my, how my brain works is I'm, I'm getting flooded right now with all kinds of different thoughts on, on yeah. implementing these things in some of my CNS training because, you know, I, you know, there are so many times when, you know, a player would benefit. I, I have a Chris Chelios story. It goes back when he was playing at the University of Wisconsin before he left to go play for the Olympics and then launch his NHL career. So he took a pass out of the corner at the blue line and he took two or three steps, you know, from the boards toward the center of the ice and took a slap shot and scored. Ah, great. All right. That was really, really fun to see, fun to watch, you know, nice shot until you see it on instant replay and see that he switched hands and caught it on the opposite hand (laughs) of his stick, walked walked two or three strides and took a slap shot with the opposite hand and scored from the blue line at you know playing for the University of Wisconsin. I quite honestly I don't remember the opponent, but I remember seeing that years ago and just marveled at the dexterity they you know that he had to be able to complete you know compete that feat. It was just amazing. Yeah, I there's it's been fun some of the stories cuz I uh, I've incorporated once players uh, get into the main part of my online program. Well, they'll they'll have a, an opposite hand drill that they're they're going to do. So I had this girl; she was at Minnetonka, and they had a mm-hmm. coaching change. And I'd been working with her for about five or six years, and the coaches didn't really know the girls, so they were out practicing. And at the end of the first practice, I think they did cross ice, both ends, opposite hand, three on three. And after her second shift, the coach came up to her and he's like, hey, you know what's opposite hand? She's like, yeah, I'm playing opposite hand. uh, But she got really good. But I'm just thinking, because I I never did it on ice, really, just because there was so much else to teach. And, you know, when you're, you know, I I peaked at high school. But um, I'm thinking when a kid first learns how to skate, and gets pretty good, like if they didn't have any introduction with a stick or a puck, then you give them the stick, now their skating goes way down again. So yep. hockey players, the elite, you know, the ones that get have got a lot of extra training, they get to points in time where they're not getting challenged by coaches. So I thought that that might be kind of cool. You know, you got an elite skater, now give them an opposite hand stick and do the same drills and see you know, how awkward it gets and how, how they struggle. Well, that's, yeah, I've got, so I'm, 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 my, the wheels are spinning right now, Lance. I've right. got, this, this is great. I, cause I've got a couple of my CNS drill, uh, drills that I can use and I think I'm going to spring it on it. Tomorrow I've got a group of, of college and a couple of pro athletes that are going to come out and skate with me. And uh, I'm going to spring the opposite hand stuff on them and see how they do and, and implement it. And, yeah, yeah. test it out and see. That's that's what I love about it. You know, we we got a an endless line of guinea pigs that we can test stuff with, and they're they're open. They'll try it, and then we just got to be attentive to see if it accomplished what we want. If they enjoy doing it, absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, you said that uh, I, I heard in passing. We, we, we saw each other last at uh, uh, a mutual friend, Evan, and now Lauren Robert's wedding. Uh, yeah. Someone said that you are now working as a, a family advisor as well. 
Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm actually just starting to um, get into that and add that part to to my business. So I've got a, a friend named Daryl Walski who lives in Brandon, Manitoba, and he's got a hockey business. He's involved with two college hockey advisors is one, and then he's got a, a sports agency called Twenty One Twelve, and he uh, he and I have began having discussions about bringing me on board as a family advisor, and I did help with uh, this spring with a with a kid that just graduated from St. Thomas. He played college hockey at uh, Colorado College and then finished up his career at St. Thomas. And I just helped guide him through the process of uh, signing a European contract over in France. In fact, he's leaving uh, tomorrow. And um, that was a very interesting process. Yeah. And then then I've I've got two other kids that are juniors in high well they're going to be entering their senior years in high school who have an interest of playing you know hockey at high school and I believe they both have the capability of playing uh, junior hockey you know one of the kids I believe could possibly play in the USHL the other kid may not play at that level but you never know how they continue to develop um, but they've they've had some success in some junior hockey camps uh, they every intention of going back to high school but guiding them through that decision-making process is very difficult and and they need people you know families need people who you know have have been a part of the business and understand it you know and it's really uh you know the, the questions that i get sometimes i think well the answer is obvious but it may not be too because you've never had to make those decisions you've never had to think about it at that level before and so working with them and getting them to you know, understand all the options and weigh what those options are and, and make good decisions um, for their kids moving forward is um, is something that I've really enjoyed. And so I'm really looking forward to adding that component to um, my True Foundation business and, and working with more and more families moving forward. So if, if someone has some parents that maybe don't know a lot and a kid, you know, there's a lot of hockey players out there that are experiencing this, their families for the first time. Um, if someone wanted to learn a little more information about that or what you offer on the ice, off the ice, uh, all the services, where can people find you, Scott? Uh, they, we have a Facebook true foundation hockey account. You can message me there. Um, you can email me. Um, my email address is scott at truefoundationhockey.com. Uh, you can visit our website. Um, we're going to be updating our website here in the next couple of weeks and, and adding some fall and then also announcing some of our changes for next our next uh, summer's sessions. And then uh, you can follow us on Instagram as well. It's truefoundationhockey. Perfect. I'll make sure that I add all of those in the, the description. Um, before we go, tell me a little bit uh, about some of the players that have went through your program and now are kind of sitting at the closer to the top of the mountain or on the top of the mountain. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, I've had a, a number of kids um, go on to play college hockey at the Division One and Division Three level. 
I, I stopped. I stopped really counting when the number got over a hundred. Um, so uh, a lot good. of, lot of kids, um, you know, have helped guide through that process and and train them and and help them, uh, you know, achieve the goals that they want to achieve. Uh, and then I've had a pretty significant number of NHL draft picks over the years as well. A um, couple of kids currently playing in the NHL. Uh, Probably the most notable would be Jake Gensel. He skated with me uh, quite a bit as a youth hockey player. In fact, Jake was such a rink rat, he would call me and he would ask if he could just come out and help with some of my um, other sessions with younger kids. And he would go full gear and, and skate the drills and work with the kids and talk to them about passing angles and different things. He, he just loved the game and... So he, he's a he's a kid that I have a great deal of admiration for because of his work ethic and he kind of you know he's a smaller player um, immensely skilled um, probably not the fastest player but learn how to you know understand and read the game and and has found a great deal of success you know in Pittsburgh um, so he he's a he's a really good. Uh, you know, he's a kid that I've really enjoyed working with over the years. Um, and then, you know, I've had both the Lucius boys because of my relationship with, I coached them in Peewees, actually, when they were still living in Blaine, in the Blaine area. Oh, that had been awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both of them are on my team. And and uh, actually, uh, Chaz, I, I don't I won't, I don't know the number exactly, but I believe in a somewhere about 50 five games I think he put up almost 220 points yeah he was a dominant <laughs> that had to been awesome to just watch that and then to to see where they are now just signed with the Winnipeg Jets he actually room with my uh my son this year oh I didn't University, realize that at the University of Minnesota and I've, I've known Tammy so yeah great great family so let me ask you this this popped mm-hmm. into my head just yeah. because you're talking about all your players. Have you worked with any player, well, you wouldn't have worked with them, that only, or do you know of it? Let's put it that way. Do you know any player that made it to college hockey or professional hockey, uh, Olympics, that didn't do anything besides their team practices and games? No. <laughs> Me neither. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you can... You need guys like this guy, Scott Bond. Uh, he's been around this game. He's been influenced by some just legends in the, the training and uh, coaching game. Uh, you, you heard it in his voice when we were talking a little bit about opposite hand. I'm sure there's going to be a few drills drawn up here after we get off the phone. Um, but thank you, Scott, for... I always tell people that are in the business of training that, you know, we're servants of others, and you know hockey. We're lucky that hockey's our vehicle. Uh, it's a, it's a fun job, isn't it? Absolutely. I wake up every day loving what I do. I love getting going to the rink. I love to see the the kids, you know, expressions when they do something really, really well. They have a really good rep. They, they come really, you know, it motivates you, keeps you going. It just it's, it's such a wonderful game. It is. And, you know, we're lucky that we can pass on all of our experiences and knowledge 
to these others and also hopefully have the messaging that their parents would be in align with and I know that we're in alignment on that my friend. Uh, I've talked to you enough and heard what comes out of your mouth and it's nothing but positive and optimism and just do it, dream it and go achieve it. It's there. That's right. That's right. So uh, True Foundation Hockey, Scott Bond, head over to his website, email him, check him out on Facebook. I'll have those links uh, in the description. Scott, I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. And again, anyone else that wants to find out uh, someone that's at the top of their game, check out Scott Bond and True Foundation Hockey. Continued success, Scott. Uh, let me know if there's anything I can do to help you uh, make your vision uh, a little easier. And uh, just thank you for being you and being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Lance. Like I said, it's it's an absolute privilege to be here. I love talking hockey. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I look forward to uh, maybe doing some more work with you in the future as well. So thank you once again. Awesome. Well, you don't know when our paths will cross, but I'm sure they will at some point. So have a great rest of the summer, and we will see you the next time we see you. Sounds good. Thank you, Lance. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey Podcast. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you enjoyed Scott Bond's Hockey Journey, and if you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might like this episode as well, please share it with just one person. It will really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or submit a review. I hope to see you back here soon, and do me a favor. Make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.